to another great episode of The Bourbon Road with your hosts, Jim and Brian, where they talk bourbon and, of course, drink bourbon. Grab yourself a pour, kick back, and enjoy another trip down the bourbon road. It's never too early to start planning your trip to the Bourbon Trail for 2023. We hope you'll join the Bourbon Road crew as we pull out all the stops this year at Bourbon on the Banks. So mark your calendars for October 6th and 7th, and we'll plan on seeing you in Frankfort, Kentucky. Be sure to listen in during the halftime break for all the details on Bourbon on the Banks. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Bourbon Road Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Shannon, and in the studio with me tonight is our co-host, Brian Hyatt. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. It's great to be back. And Brian, you have brought a guest to us today, haven't you? That's right. We have a a good friend of mine from years in the past, uh, Barry Brenniger, and he has been in the bourbon industry for a while, and uh, we're going to talk about his new venture now, RD1. RD1. Barry, RD1. Yes. Uh, thank you, guys. It's such a pleasure to uh, to get together. You know, anytime we can get together and talk bourbon and uh, and drink, um, it's always a good day. Um, RD1 Spirits, it's uh, Lexington, Kentucky's first federal registered distillery. And so what we did is we established the company RD1 Spirits really just to, to pay honor to that historic um, distillery that was uh, founded back in 1865. So it's, we didn't resurrect it, but what we did is we formed the company, a group of entrepreneurs uh, with that entrepreneurial spirit. And we're gonna be tasting some of the things today to, uh, to, to show you guys and showcase what our flagship core four products are. Good. So we've got four whiskeys that we're going to have on the show today. So yes. you're going to sort of take us through your expressions and, and show us what you're doing. Uh, we'll get to that first expression first. That's what it, that's what's in our glass right now. And yeah. after that, we'll talk a little bit about the history of RD1. Great. Uh, love it. So this first um, expression, it's a Kentucky straight bourbon. Um, it is the, the mash bill, 70% corn, 21% rye, and 9% malted barley. And every one of our expressions and our finishes are that same mash bill. So you're gonna get to be able to see what wood finishing does um, and and how it impacts the flavor of this particular mash bill. So this is just a just pure Kentucky bluegrass. Um, what what you get here is a, a it's it's a bourbon and um, it is at 98 proof. You're gonna get that sweet note on the palate. Um, I get well. I tell you what. I'm not gonna tell you what I get until we taste it and and talk about it. But if you want me to just lead you through, I'm happy to do that. Well, I tell you what. Let's let's have you lead us through your first. Okay. Expression here. And then you've got another one that's very similar, but different yeah. on the second. And then we'll, we'll sort of take our own road on that one. How's love that? it. Love it. And so make sure to save a little bit so we can kind of go back and forth sure. between the two. So um, on the nose on this one, um, it, you can, you can get the, the hint of spiciness um, with sweet um, high corn percentage. So it's going to be sweet on the nose. Um, I get a little bit of, of cinnamon. I get some spice on the nose, but I also get a hint of um, orange citrus that is going to come through the uh, the mid palate and the finish. So that's that's a on the nose. That's kind of what I'm getting here. 
um, very approachable. You know, you don't you don't um, you don't get a whole lot of proof on the nose. Uh, 98 is is one of those that uh, really accentuates the rye. As, as you as you proof down mash bills that have a rye flavoring grain, that rye really opens up with the uh, under 100 proof. So that's, that's kind of what I'm getting on the nose is the spiciness of the rye in that bourbon mash bill. Cheers. 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 So the, the spice definitely comes through on the palate. On the nose, I, I have to agree with you. I, I got that freshness of the citrus. I, it, was, it was very light, but it was nice. I, I also got a little bit of a buttery aspect to it. There was um, there was spice there, but it was almost like um, it was just enough to let you know what's coming on the palate, right? I mean, it's not overly too much on the nose, yeah. but I uh, I like that that light buttery note it has. I, I can I can see that that buttery note um, for me on that mid palate the the cracked peppercorn you know it's just right there on that on that mid palate and then in in the back uh, of the um, of the palate and on the finish um, that that orange citrus kind of comes back and um, and finishes with a, a little bit of sweet spice. Yeah, the first impression is a, is a is a nice sweet introduction to your palate but it settles in with a good amount of spice on the back yeah and that citrus does come through yeah that's a that's a nice presentation as it crosses it's kind of it's kind of nice and balanced it does have an extra note of sweetness to it i think and mm. and that's uh that's that large corn content it is yeah. it is yeah yeah once you get up there um certainly um above 65 to 70 percent you're having a whole lot of influence of, of that that sweetness from the corn Absolutely. Well, you said this was a 98 proof whiskey yep. and uh, any indication on the age? So it's a small batch. Each one of these are small batches and um, they're going to range anywhere from four to six year um, in, in the small batch. Which is a nice saddle to be set sitting in, yeah. right? Four to six year saddle. And how many barrels are in a batch? We we do fairly small batches. And I, I know that's a, a ill-defined term, um, but we're looking at anywhere from 12 to 20 barrels. Well, I think that's reasonable. And honestly, you shouldn't have to defend your position of, of what is or isn't a small batch, but certainly 10 to 20 barrels would qualify, yeah, right? Certainly. So there are people doing hundreds of barrels and calling it a small batch, right? <laughs> Which I guess in, in the terms of the big boys, that is that is a small batch. It is, yeah, for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian, what'd you think of that? You know, I really, really like this. And and I'm one of those people that I really like the sweet. Um, I do like really high proof, uh, but I really love the sweet notes that I get off of this. And, and I, I, I agree, like it's buttery and it's nice. And then after it settles a little bit, you get that spice and when it really settles in and man, it's just, I enjoy that quite a bit. So where, where's this bottle priced at on the shelves? I know it might vary a little bit, but yeah. So, uh, MSRP is going to be, um, 59 95, uh, for the uh, straight bourbon. 
And, um, and you know, we, we, we we're trying to make sure that we get it in there. Unfortunately, at that price point, you see the on-premise locations become a little bit squeamish, depending on if, if you're at a Jeff Ruby's, no problem with, uh, with a, you know, a, a cocktail or a pour that's going to be in that $15 range. But um, we, um, we, we do offer some opportunities to get in in the on-premise because that's an important place for us to be. Sure. Consumers, you know, they need to try you. They, they need to be able to get a pour of it. And so really across the state of Kentucky, you can find us in a lot of on-premise locations, both in Lexington and, and Louisville and Northern Kentucky. You know, that's really been our, our initial effort was to get out there and, and make sure that, you know, the, the stores, the on-premise locations that can afford us and can afford that price point, um, we, we get um, a point of distribution in those um, locations. We, we're going to sip on your whiskey, but while we are, yeah. I, I'd like you to kind of tell us a little bit about Barry Brenniger and how you came up in the bourbon industry. Now, you've been on our show before. Yes. Yeah. I think we've been uh, we've been together a couple of different times already. And initially I came on the, um, on the podcast with the Lexington bourbon society. And I think it was, uh, Ben McCorder was, uh, one of my, um, um, partners, uh, on the board. And, and so really when, when I, you know, who is Barry Brenniger native of Lexington, you know, I'm a proud Kentuckian. You know, I think that if you, if you live in the state or you move to the state, bourbon is in your blood somehow, you know, either, either physically or, uh, or, you know, you should have a sense of pride because we, uh, the, the bourbon tourism represents a $9 billion a year industry to the state. So it, it, it's important for us, we should all be ambassadors for bourbon, and um, and so I'm I am an ambassador for bourbon. Um, uh, so I grew up. I was a I was a nurse. I worked in the operating room, and I found that I enjoyed talking to people better. And uh, and so I I, I left the the, uh, the nursing field and went into medical device sales and pharmaceutical sales, and and then I worked in senior living. That's how Brian and I met, and um, I started following this bourbon group, Lexington Bourbon Society, around because one of the one of the room we're building this senior living community in Lexington and one of the uh, one of the rooms we're logoing with the Woodford Reserve logo so you know here I am just this uh, uh, boy from Lexington going to meet with a marketing team from Brown Foreman to get their blessing to use the logo because you got to get their blessing in order to reproduce that logo and um, and then you remember when they were uh, producing neat the story of bourbon. Oh yeah. Um, I uh, I met those guys in Midway when they were they were looking for funding, and I, I went up to them so green, and I was like, "Oh man, I love what you guys are doing. Love to be a part of it." And they're like, "Well, how much money you got?" I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, that's this kind of conversation." So I'm like, "No, nah, I don't have any money, but I'm I'll, looking forward to your show when you when you bring it out." Yeah. Um, so you know, just continue to um, to love bourbon and and love my community, and um, I started. I started a digital marketing company and I, um, I, I started meeting these Lexington business owners and I met enough of them. And we, we finally said, let's, let's, 
let's start a brand. You know, bourbon is um, something that we all know and we all love. And we did. We wrote a, a business plan. And the first person we pitched it to was Mark Stoops, the University of Kentucky football coach. And and uh, and Mark loves bourbon. He he absolutely he loves red wine. He loves coaching. And uh, so the story captured his attention. But we had a 12 year Kentucky straight bourbon that we had bought a few barrels. You know, we had about 10, 12 barrels. And we're like, Mark, we're going to we're going to launch with this bourbon. He's like, I'm in. I, I, I absolutely am in. Of course, at that time, he had to go back and ask his wife, Chantel. And um, and, and then, you know, of course, JMI owns the, the rights to coach, you know. So um, so we uh, we had to uh, we had to navigate a little bit there. But he was he was the first investor. And um, and it's been it, we started the company in January of 2020. So we know what happens in late February, early March, a global pandemic ensues. Well, hopefully you got off to a quick start. You got something done in the first three months. <laughs> we, we were very fortunate that... Um, our um, our legal attorney was Steve Amato. So Steve Amato is with the McBrayer Group, and and they he's the attorney for the Kentucky Distillers Association. So he knows if if you're in if you if you have a, if you're a supplier, if you're a distributor, if you are a liquor store, you probably dealt with Steve or someone in his firm. Um, they absolutely know the liquor law, and, and you need an attorney that that keeps up with that because the laws change every year. And you're responsible for understanding those changes. So Steve surrounded us with a recommended some bourbon consultants. And so within January to October, when we had bottles on the shelf, we bought liquid. We purchased a still, we got a lease, we installed the still, and we got bottles and corks and labels and had it all filled and on store shelves by um, late October. And I, so I tell people that the brand willed itself to come back to life, you know, because in a, during a global pandemic, we're meeting on Zoom with the local city officials and we got all our license, you know, by Zoom because you couldn't meet in person. And you found bottles. And we found, <laughs> we, yeah, that was that was before the supply chain was really oh, okay. significantly impacted. But thank goodness we we over purchased and, and had a lot of bottles in our inventory. Well, what a great story. I mean, you guys really were full steam ahead. Yeah. Or through a period of time when people were just basically saying, whoa, is me. Yeah. You were pushing ahead. And that's awesome. Good thing you did that. You took advantage of that time to really make sure you're prepared when we came out of it. You know, everybody has really pivoted. You know, I, I, there, there's a few terms that we've kind of coined and, and being nimble, being able to understand the changing dynamic of consumer consumption is, is radically changed from pre-COVID. You know, so the the thing that is important to understand is meeting that customer wherever they are, you know, in, in, in marketing and in digital marketing, you, there's an online persona and you have to be able to understand the per persona and understand when they're in that moment of decision making that you're right there to meet them. And, and so it really helped to, to have a brand that was um, available online and, um, and then available locally. So we, we launched just in the Kentucky market in October of 2020. So when you say online, define online for us. Yeah, so direct-to-consumer. You know, the, the direct-to-consumer market 
market, if you look at any of the projections uh, from now until late 2020s, that market is looking to increase. I, I want to say that the last projection I saw was at least a 17% increase in, in that direct-to-consumer shipping. So Sealbox is an example. I think most of us know um, if we're ordering bottles online um, but but you know it's the convenience factor. Look at what um, what what GoPuff has done by purchasing Liquor Barn. They have these micro fulfillment centers in all of the liquor barns. So if a consumer gets on Drizzly, their app, and is looking to place an order for spirits, they can have it within thirty minutes. You know, so that changing dynamic of consumer consumption and purchase is really something to keep in touch with, especially with the direct-to-consumer opportunities, which the state of Kentucky just recently, I think a year, year and a half ago, um, made it legal. Right, that's right. And so as a distillery, you're able to participate in that. That's right. So as a supplier level, and so supplier level is a distillery that produces and then you know brings it to market. It's only the supplier, you know. So I think we've all heard of um, other folks that have, have gotten into uh, some legal issues because of the, that shipping piece or a acquisition piece. The federal government really looks very critically at where these um, spirits are coming from, and um, and 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 they made it very clear that uh, it used to be that you could get spirits shipped from a um, from a point of sale, from an off-premise, that's no longer legal. So only the supplier level. So the, the law was originally written so that um, retailers could could ship, and then it was less than like, eight months later, it was changed. It was changed. So it was a very short period of time there. And they loved it while, while it happened because it increased their market. You know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, well, I think some do and some don't. I think the smaller stores are concerned uh, that if they if they didn't choose to go that path, if they didn't choose to to be a uh, a shipping store, right, then they're going to get taken out by Amazon, right? Amazon's yeah. the concern, right? Yeah. Somebody's going to come in, and somebody's going to ha- have their license, and they're going to ship out of Whole Foods, and it's done, right? Yeah. So, my guess is is that it was the small retail outlets that were lobbying against it. I would think. Yep. Yeah. Is that true? It is true. There, there was significant lobbying on both sides, uh, and, and the you know the concern on the part of the retail um, owner is, is that they were going to lose some of that market, and and then the suppliers were going to be able to fulfill a lot more of that consumer demand, and so there was a balance. So there was a give and take balance, and um, that that made sure that the uh, the liquor stores were okay. And um, in letting that uh, um, change in the law happen. Now, does R R D one ship directly to their customers? We do. So, uh, on the supplier level, you have to be licensed in every state that you ship to. So, it's not as simple as I've got my Kentucky license; I can ship across the country. Um, we right now we're in. We we just launched the Indiana market about six weeks ago, and so we are licensed in Indiana um, as long as that state has a reciprocal. Um, uh, uh, license to allow you to ship, then it's legal. There, there's uh, there's about 
35, 37 states that do allow direct-to-consumer shipping. And, and that's that's a pretty good portion. That's a pretty good portion. But think about it from the perspective of how is someone going to find you? Let's just use Illinois you know, or, or Iowa. How are they going to find you? Well, you got to market. You, you've got to make sure that you're you're online when that consumer is in that um, that purchase decision, and and so that takes money. You know that takes effort, and you've got to you got to be successful at doing that. So it um, awareness branding um, takes time and it takes money. And so what we found in our you know short lifespan of um, of being a brand is that having people on the street you know having good distillery distributor partners are critical to get that branding and that awareness. And so we uh, you know we're not really going full bore online just because we're focused on building a brand and sure. and, and building the infrastructure. Well, it certainly makes sense. Yeah. I'm ready for another whiskey. Yeah. So I'm super excited about this next one. So remember, same mash bill. Um, this is a French oak finish. And um, what you're going to find with the French oak is that it, um, and, and let's make sure, well, let's nose both of them together here. So we, um, we start with the French oak and notice um, some sweetness. Um, and and what, what I find and I'm sorry, I'm just going right into what I find, but um, it, it's, it is softening that nose. So, so you're not really getting the, 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 the bold, spicy notes on the nose. It is, um, it is, it is, it's more complex um, is what, what I'm, I'm getting here. Yeah, it's uh, it's not as focused. It's a little more broad, and it it has a maybe that's softening. That's what softening means, right? I guess that it takes off that kind of peak, and you mm -hmm. get a little bit more of a broad. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit more of a nutty aspect to it. Cheers, mm. cheers. Yeah, and the 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 impression of that French oak is a little bit felt a little bit more on the sides of the palate, like on the sides of the tongue. I know when I'm, I get that dripping on the side of my tongue, that, mm. that feeling <laughs> from it, that I've got, I've got a good whiskey in my mouth. <laughs> It's pretty um, good. Uh, uh, thank you. I appreciate That's that. That's called what, salivating, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, more. <laughs> Give yeah. me more. Um, what, what I get on this is I, I get a, I get a baker's chocolate, a baking chocolate, you know, so it's not really super rich uh, like you would notice a, um, a sweet chocolate, but it also, you know, you'd mentioned a kind of an earthy note there, an, um, a, a, a nutty uh, flavor profile. Uh, I can get that too. I get a little cherry. So, so the fruit has switched from orange citrus with the straight bourbon for me to a, a, a chocolate covered cherry, if you will. There it is. Yeah. I was wondering what I was getting there. And as soon as you said chocolate covered cherry, I was like, that's it. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, interestingly enough for me is that rye kind of comes in on the back end. So it comes back to let you know, Hey, I'm still here. I might, I might be muted in the nose and in the mid palate, but I'm still here on that finish. Yeah. It feels like it's a little bit thicker as well. I, I know we're really talking about a few proof points here, but there is a little bit more whiskey here. There's a little more viscosity. 
And um, when you guys do tastings, have you ever done like an advanced sensory tasting? And, and of course, you know, we got some foods over there that can really help accentuate some of the flavors. But if you um, if you add like a pecan or a, a nut to this, it will really help drive forward that the the, the wood tannins from the um, from the French oak in a good way. It, it really helps to um, identify some of those richer complexities that that are maybe a little muted if you're not really used to pulling some of those characteristics out. Yeah, I think I would like to try this with a little bit of uh, high cacao chocolate, maybe uh, uh, a pecan would be mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a big cherry person, and and it, it, the the note of cherry has to be pretty prominent for me to pick it up. So I'm not. You guys are picking it up, but for me, it's a little bit more su- subtle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the chocolate for me definitely is a little bit more there than cherry. But as soon as Barry said chocolate covered cherry, I was like, "Yep, that's uh, you know, they're they're both really good whiskeys. Uh, this to me is a little bit more exciting." It mm-hmm. has uh, that little something extra, yeah, so something special, and and they are not tremendously different. They're just enough different where you can say that one or that one, mm-hmm. right? Well, and and what I see some people when when they're doing the tasting with folks is they run through them one at a time, and I think I think this is the the when you're comparing the straight bourbon with the um, with the French oak, this is the time where I really like to go back and forth because um, when you when you taste the the straight bourbon, um, it it that rye is so predominant and then go back to the French oak again. Um, it helps understand how that softening uh, occurs with the, um, w- with the wood finish with the French oak. Yeah. I think one of the things that stands out to me is that I don't really like, well, I can't say I don't like it. If you had me choose between something that was a little bit more on the dry side, as opposed to the buttery fill on the tongue, I really love the buttery fill. And so with this, I definitely get more of that smooth, buttery feel on my tongue, which that makes me happy. I like that. Well, and you know, we're all different when 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 I pull folks that are doing tastings, and these are people are from all walks of life. Um, it's about fifty fifty. You know, some people are I, I like the straight bourbon, and others are like, you know, I kind of like the um, French oak finish. So it, it, we have something for everyone. So Barry, do you drink um, a lot of whiskey from your colleagues? I I'm a consumer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a consumer, and uh, you know I'll tell you when when we get together, we're all pulling out our our favorite models. And I mean, uh, Freddie Johnson is is a super friend of mine, and I pinch myself when I have him over at my house. I'm like, this is a bourbon hall of famer that's sitting at my kitchen table, and we're, and we're drinking, and and he's brought a special E. H. Taylor single barrel from his stash, for, you know, from his bunker. Um, we're we're at, at Lisa Wicker. Lisa Wicker's the new um, CEO and master distiller of the Lexington Distilling Company, and um, you know, I. 
I, I didn't know her. Uh, I reached out to her on social media and said, hey, Lisa, welcome to Lexington. Would love to take you out to lunch and talk with you about Lexington and, and my visions for tourism. And she's like, sure, Barry, let's let's do. So here I am. I've got Lisa Wicker, who is, you know, I think she's an industry icon. Definitely a legend. For herself. Yeah, definitely a legend. So we're, we're all very, um, very much uh, consumers from, you know, uh, Stephen Fonte with Limestone Branch Distillery. You know, love what, that guy. Uh, Such love, a character. He, uh, Foghorn <laughs> Leghorn. And I've, I've told the uh, Told him this to his face too. Uh, I mean, he he when he's in character, I can't help but just smile and 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 laugh and 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 love his history. I mean, he he's a brand historian, you know, great ambassador. So yeah, I'm I'm a consumer. Let me tell you, let me tell you, Barry. <laughs> yeah, he's a pretty good guy. You know, I, I get the comment a lot of times from listeners when we're out and about. They'll say, you know, it seems like everybody who comes on your show is a friend. Like, you know, him from somewhere or, or you, you know, and, and the fact of the matter is in this business, it kind of is that way. Right. I mean, you came on here. You've been on the show a couple of times before. You just so happened to be a friend of, of Brian's already for from way back when. Mm-hmm. And uh, but this industry is totally different like that. And you were talking a little bit about that before the show. Yeah, uh, the the industry is is very unique, um, and y- y- you mentioned it. And even the KDA says this. Eric Gregory, a rising tide raises all ships. And um, when when looking at um, global consumption, Kentucky bourbon and American bourbon is only one percent of consumption, you know, globally. So when people ask, are we overbuilding, you know, are we building too many distilleries? Are, are we, you know, increasing capacity? No, we're not building it up because the the premium and super premium bourbons are what's in demand globally. So most distilleries are making sure that they're producing that premium and super premium brands along with their everyday on the shelf um, bourbons the um we're not making enough and so the the global outside the u.s market is a black hole of opportunity uh when you look at the the cyclical nature of the bourbon industry you know let's look at it over the last two centuries it is about a 30 35 year cycle of increasing consumption and demand and then peak and then a little bit of uh, um downward curve on the bell curve, but that's about a 35-year trend. If we just look at when do you think bourbon started taking off, you could argue that you know, the bourbon trail started in early 2000. Consumers were interested. Consumers wanted to see what's going on in these distilleries. So I would say somewhere between um, early 2000 to 2010, 2012 is when we started seeing some increase in in um, interest and consumption. So we're we're on a 35 year cycle. We're good to 2050, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know what? I, I, I know I won't probably see 2050, but I am I am super excited to see it right now and, and be a part of it, just as we all are. You know, we we um, we love bourbon so much that we're talking about it online and, and people are listening and and making purchase decisions based on, you know, what we say and, and um, what we like. 
like, and, and everybody's different, but uh, that's why there's so many different brands that have different flavor profiles. There's something out there for just about anyone. You heard it right here, folks. Don't buy gold, buy bourbon, right? <laughs> that's right. Well, one of the things, Barry, that, that I love, <clears throat> and I know you do as well, that I love about the bourbon industry and about the way we all look at bourbon, it is such a cool community. And it's a great way to get to know folks. It's a great way to build relationships and and share. You know, of course, we know the folks that collect bottles and they hang on to them and they're not letting go and they don't want anybody to drink it, touch it, breathe on it. But for the most part, it's a great way to share and say, Barry, hey, have you had this? I've got something cool. What do you think? Yeah. And it just brings folks together. And I think it's special. It makes people feel good, and and that I think that's really the key is that you, you're 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 hitting their 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 heart, they're, you're hitting their emotions, and and Freddie Johnson says it best is creating memory moments. You know, so we're we're creating a memory moment here tonight, um, drinking and and talking about bourbon. But um, you know, I can tell you when we get together as as the Lexington Bourbon Society or or friends, we're opening up our very special bottles, and, and you guys opened up. Uh, special bottles here tonight. Um, it, it, it's it's that camaraderie. It, it's that you know now we're connected and and we're drinking this history in a bottle that that we have a story to tell about it and then we have a story to tell about i remember the last time i I drank this with uh with friends and if freddie does something that is is so unique you should add it to your list of things to do is when you open up a bottle and you're sharing it with people and it's one of those special bottles get your signature pin out date it and have everyone sign it and and then when you when that bottle is empty, you you you'll be able to go back to it and and look at all those dates and all those signatures and have a conversation piece. That's a pretty cool there idea. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna keep sipping on our whiskeys. We're gonna take a short break, listeners. Don't go away. When we come back, we got more of Barry, more RD1, and two more whiskeys to drink. So yes, stick around. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we hope you'll join us this fall on October 6th and 7th for Bourbon on the Banks. The festival itself is from 2 to 6 p.m. on October the 7th, and you can pick those tickets up at bourbononthebanks.org for $65. They also have an early access ticket for $75. It'll get you in an hour early and definitely get you access to some special pours. But if you always like that VIP access, this year they're bringing in the VIP access tickets. We'll give you access to their VIP tent and all the great things that go along with that for $175. Be sure to check out bourbononthebanks.org to get all the details on this year's event. Listeners, we are back. It's after the break. We did get a, a chance to finish off that French oak finished bourbon from the first half. Barry's been kind enough to fill up our glasses for the second half. Barry Brenniger, RD1. Yes. Sticking around for two halves of the show. 
we have two glasses for this ep- for this half of the episode. And the first glass, what do we have? So the the first glass that we're going to sample is again the same mash bill of what we uh, what we sampled with our straight bourbon and the French oak finish. This one is a Brazilian Amberana wood finish, and um, we've seen some Amberana finish bottles out there for barrel picks. Um, some wood finishing. This one we uh, we like to. Um, call it wild adventure um, this one has su- such unique flavors that are way outside the flavor will you know so i'll just you know, prepare you guys in advance here this one is very unique we're, we're going to go on a little bit of an adventure adventure talking about this and um you know so i'll, I'll kind of tell you what i get here but these we're now into our wood finishes with the the start of the french oak and then the amberana so so these three different wood finishes are part of our core four products they'll always be on the shelf and um we're we're very excited about this one this one is probably my second favorite of of all the core four so what, what you're tasting here is something that is um, that is a little bit of magic. I'm ready. All right. I'm ready. All right. So so as we're nosing here, um, there's some there's some very unique uh, aromas. And um, some of the aromas that I get are um, they're, they're kind of uh, they're a spearmint. You know, there, there's a there's a very, very pleasant um uh, spice notes on it and you know some of the spices it, it can be a myriad of, of cinnamon it, it can be nutmeg it can be clove um, there, there's just so many different depends on where it hits you and, and you know what you're uh, picking up what, what your memory has uh, has allowed you to pick up on I'm here. getting bread pudding this is bread pudding with cinnamon and clove on it mm-hmm. I'm getting clove yeah but but overall the first the first little nose on it. Wow, you're right. It's an adventure. It's it, almost. Like, it wow. is almost like walking into a Cinnabon shop, right? I've, I've heard you're, you're the second person that has said Cinnabon. In fact, Brad Bonds up at Revival. He, uh, he that was the one thing he's like. This is Cinnabon. You know, you you on the nose, cinnamon. You know, very rich. Um, there's some tropical fruit notes, and you probably have to you probably have to take a, a, a taste of it in order to pull those out. But um, I'm getting it only because I've you know I've had this a couple of times before, and um, probably some of my most favorite notes are, are the, in that tropical fruit line. It's mace. I'm getting mace. And yep. Yeah. This this reminds me a lot of smells that you experience in the islands in the Caribbean or in. Uh, well, anywhere in that in that area of the world down mm-hmm. there, I guess this is a Brazilian wood. Yeah, but so it really doesn't appear in those places. But those those smells I'm getting seem to remind me a little bit of like island smells. Hundred percent. I think this is one of those times for me where initially the tropical fruits like that's what I picked up, and as soon as we started talking about the nutmeg and the clove, the clove jumped out at me. But initially, I did get. The tropical fruit, mm-hmm. and then it's it's just changed a little bit for me. Yeah, that's that's a special. And the proof again, one more time. One hundred and ten proof. One hundred and ten proof. All right, so we did add a just a drop of water. Just a drop a, a drop or two of water. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers. cheers. Oh, that is lovely. That Isn't is that absolutely lovely. 
it's it is super rich. Yeah, it is super rich. Yeah. yeah. This this is a cigar whiskey. This is absolutely a great cigar whiskey. Yeah. Because you're going to, I mean, you could you could have a, a bold cigar. It's going to hold up very well to, to that um, to that stick. You could put this in coffee and it would be amazing. Yeah. Not that I would want to do that, but I'm just saying <laughs> if, if you had somebody who wanted to put something in their coffee, this would be Bailey's any day. <laughs> this is this is definitely outside the uh, the, the flavor will. Uh, so on the um, on the palate, I pick up a little coconut. Um, I pick up a little bit. I, I didn't pick this up until someone else said they got it, but there's a pineapple um, flavor here. So there's definitely some tropical fruits, but um, but it is it is unlike anything that, that you've had um, typically yeah, in a oh wood yeah. finish. The pineapple, the coconut, no doubt. It's there. It's there. Oh, wow. Wow, that's so good. Yeah, this is a slow sipper thinker. You don't want to go too quick on this. Yeah, yeah. But but you could make it disappear. I think. <laughs> wow. I do. I really love that pineapple. You know, the funny thing about this is, you're you're basically your bourbon finished in Amberana barrels. I mean, it's it's good stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not not adding artificial flavors to it you're not doing anything like that but boy oh boy are you getting some flavors it is it is all coming from that wood and, and we do things a little bit different um the the way that we get the um the, the amberana wood is it comes in a in a in a, um, a plank and and then it's honeycomb drilled so that we increase the surface area and it only takes eight weeks to get to this point you know we and, and we certainly don't want to over finish it um so there's a point where it's like it is finished enough and we pull those uh, those uh staves out so that it doesn't continue to um to to increase uh, the amount of uh, flavor and then we let it sit in the barrel for another four weeks just to kind of equalize after that um th- that plank has been pulled out wow that is a tremendous whiskey folks you've heard You've heard about Amberana before on the show. It's been it's been back on another episode. Go back and listen in the library. But if you haven't tried an Amberana finished whiskey yet, and you're coming to the bourbon trail, you need to get some RD1 Amberana. This is fantastic. Thank you. And you know, people, if they're looking for where can I pick up this um this RD1 Amberana finish, we have a store locator on our website, so rd1spirits.com. You can just type in your zip code and it will take you to every store that has Amberana on the shelves. We update that. We try to update it at least um, you know, two um twice a month. Just because we, we know this one, I believe we're going to have a hard time keeping up with demand. And mm-hmm. so we're going to have to increase our uh, amount of inventory, especially, I believe, on the Amberana, just because it's so unique. And I think once people taste it and identify it as, OK, this is a very special pour, um, you you got to you got to get a backup. Well, when we take when we, when we finish up this episode, we'll have to break out that app. You have to tell me the one closest to Simpsonville, Kentucky, so I can go and get me a bottle of it real quick. Yes, this is good. Stuff. And, and I love that. I mean, it makes it so much easier for everybody that's trying to find the bottle, look for it mm-hmm. when you're updating. I mean, it goes back to that customer experience and making sure that folks understand and they know where can they get it? When can they get it? All of that good stuff. So mm-hmm. this is one I agree. It's 
People should get this one. So do you Definitely. think you'll be able to reuse those since the, since they have such a short exposure? Will you be able to reuse those staves? That's a very good question. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to sacrifice the the finishing that we've got, you know, with that first pass. Um, I can tell you the staves that we use really use up a lot of their effectiveness after that first time. So I would I would venture to guess probably not probably not going to use them just because we want to make sure that we're giving um, each barrel the proper finishing that it needs. That can't be cheap. They're, uh, it, it, well, I'll tell you, it is cheaper than a whole barrel. Yeah. You know, if we did a whole nother barrel finish, the, the, the thing about some of these other wood finishes is that they're more porous. That's why we use white oak. Um, you don't have to use white oak in order to class up to, to be a bourbon. It just has to be new oak, but the, the white oak is so much more denser. And so we don't have the leakage that you would get with, you know, some of the other, um, oak finishes. Right. So you've got these these barrel finishes, these different finished products that you're doing. Are there other things that are in development right now that you didn't bring today that you might be able to mention? I, I can. I can. Um, so we have in our inventory, you know, we, we've been um, – buying barrels and and then of course we're contract distilling and and we're building a distillery the uh, western kentucky distilling company um jacob call eighth generation master distiller who came from green river actually was the master distiller who produced these barrels that you're tasting and so jacob is going to be continuing to produce our mash bill at the western kentucky distilling company we're partners in that distillery so we're uh, we're you know very soon going to be able to uh, continue the, the the brand as it is now and then come out with new exciting mash bills but what i can tell you is that we're still experimenting with wood so we do barrel picks and when you come in and do a barrel pick, I'll help lead that with uh, with any team that comes in, whether it's a consumer, a bourbon club, or a, uh, a liquor store. And we will sample our straight bourbon whiskey, and then I'll pull. I'll I'll let most consumers. I'll let them know these are the experimental woods that we've got. If you want to pull a couple of those into the uh, into the mix, and uh, for example, we're we're doing a um, um, a, a sarsaparilla finish. We're doing a yellow birch. We're doing a pecan wood, you know, so we're really trying to see which ones work well with these particular mash bills. And we may have another wood finish that's going to be in our um, flagship products like the four that we've got here. Um, Super exciting. So our barrel picks you can do at barrel proof or you can do them at 101 proof. We give you the option. We'll proof down um, each uh, barrel pick uh, down to 101 and then at cask proof. Now, are these um, gift shop barrel picks or are these partners with, um, you know, like retail outlets in the state of Kentucky or in Indiana? So both we'll, we'll do, we'll do, um, we'll do certainly gift shop um, releases, but we will do, um, you know, like we've done barrel picks with Kroger and Liquor Barn here with Liquor Mart and a host of other uh, liquor stores across the state of Kentucky. And then in, um, in Indiana, the, uh, the state manager in Indiana has an allocation of, 
what our what our national sales manager said is, I'll give you as many barrels as you can sell. Um, you know, our requirement is that if it's a liquor store, they got to support us. You know, they've got to have our SKUs on their shelf and 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 be supporters of the brand. But absolutely, we would we would want to do barrel picks with as many people as we can because it really highlights the unique nature. We all know, you know, single barrel is is, is like a snowflake. It, everyone's different, and depending on where it's located in the Rick House, it, it's going to take up different flavors. Sure. And, and then finishing with a wood is going to have an impact differently on each one of those barrels. Yeah. So Barry, um, <clears throat> I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to something we're going to talk about at the very end, but you know, when you're talking about these releases and the barrel picks, what's the best way? I think it's going to be awesome for the folks to hear this twice, but what's the best way for them to know that you, you have a barrel pick that's coming out and you can find that at liquor barn. You can find that at Kroger, wherever it may be. Each, each store is going to be different. You know, some stores will probably have it pre-sold, you know, so as they're working through that, that barrel pick, but we will, um, when, when we partner with a, with, with a, a, a liquor store, we're promoting them on our website to make sure that when consumers look, you know, what's in my zip code for RD1, it'll it'll give a list of, of you know, which ones are on the shelf and where. Um, the the barrel picks are so special because it, it highlights what that owner, what that, what that buyer, uh, what their profile is. And so I know, you know, you guys, when you go to different liquor stores, you go to special ones because they have your palate and, and they pick for your palate. Um, everybody's different, you know, everybody picks differently. So I think that, um, you know, as I'm looking across Lexington and, and Louisville and um, Elizabethtown and, and some of these smaller communities, um, we've got uh, Bob's Steakhouse up in um, Louisville, Kentucky with, at the Omni. Um, they picked out two barrels. You know, they, they loved the straight bourbon. And then we had a cherry wood finish that was absolutely fabulous. So they picked out one of those too. Um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult to name them all. Um, but I think like, like I just mentioned, some are already pre-sold when they're, when they're purchased. That's awesome. And one of the other things I'm looking right now, I'm, I have a bottle sitting next to me and it, it's a beautiful bottle. It's very cool. Yeah. I love it. Well, let me let me tell you a little bit about this bottle. So the bottle, it's a custom made bottle. And um, I'm, you know, the co-founder. I'm also the brand historian. And if you look right now on my bar and, and in my inventory, I have an archive of, of different bottles and jugs and and memorabilia from registered distillery number one uh, back in back in the 1800s. And one of the um, one of the the pieces that I've got is a sample bottle, and and it's a, a little 50 ml sample bottle. But it it's in this the the shape. Of course, you know listeners are listening and they're like, well, where can I see it? Go online, go to our website uh, rd1spirits.com. You can see this bottle, 
But on the neck label, you, you see a tree that's um, there. And, and that is to um, give nod and, and uh, uh, homage to the Ashland label. So the Ashland distillery was the first registered distillery, 1865, and they had uh, what was called the, the Ashland label. And um, Ashland distillery was named after the Ashland estate in Lexington. And they had these trees that were on the label. So, so that's kind of a nod to the very first bottle that we had. Um, on, embossed at the very top of the bottle is Kentucky Born and Raised. We're, we're, we're very much proud to be from Lexington, Kentucky. And, and we do believe Lexington has a lot of history. And, and not only that, Lexington has a lot to offer for people that are coming in to, um, to, to visit the Bourbon Trail. You know, we've got Keeneland, uh, we, we all love Keeneland. The spring and fall mead is, is really one of the unique experiences there. And so if you look at the bottom of the bottle, it has a four plank fence that circles the bottle. And um, if, if you're into thoroughbreds, you know that that four plank fence means that there's million dollar horses on that property. And so that's kind of a uh, it's kind of a nod to our horse industry in central Kentucky. And then it, it's the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, back in, you know, there, there's, there's, there's always got to be a first. RD1 was the first registered distillery. And um, in every tax district in, in 1860s, there was an RD1. So there were seven RD1s, one in each tax district. We happen to be in the seventh tax district even uh, currently. And so, you know, we paved the way the brand did back in 1865. And so when we um, established RD1 Spirits, we established it with entrepreneurs. And so entrepreneurs, uh, now, if you look at what we're doing, we're doing something very unique. We're finishing bourbon and, and we're creating it so that these are going to be forever products. It's not a one and done. It's not a barrel pick. It, this is a product that will be on the shelf. And we have four different products. Three of them are wood finished. Talking about being the historian and 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 having all these cool bottles and and all this awesome information to share, uh, obviously we're friends on Facebook, and I see the things that you share. And Barry will put things out there, and it's like, oh my gosh, like look at that. That is beyond cool. So, you know, I can definitely appreciate all of the history that comes behind it and all of the things that you share out. Um, but if you're comfortable with it, folks, friend Barry on, on Facebook, check out these things that he's sharing. It will blow your mind. What I really love about um, that part of the, um, you know, working with RD1 is that I, I have people that are descendants of of, of the Stoles. You know, so the Stoles were owners back um, in, in 1902 to 1908. Um, William Tarr, I've got descendants that have reached out to me from New England, from Cleveland, from Illinois, and, and, and they're calling me saying, oh, I love that, you know, we have our name on a bottle. And, and once we start talking about the history, I had one person send me an image of William Tarr that was in their garage, and it had Grandpa Tarr on the image. And, um, and, and, and it's so funny, um, you know, because they're excited about it, and it, it, it excites me. I had, a, I had someone that um, emailed through, the, um, through our website um, contact form, 
And, you know, I, I get all those emails. So I have eyeballs on them. And when they sent that in, they said, hey, we're just looking to see where we, we had a product that we first came out to market called WM Tar, William Tar. And it was a limited release product. Um, it is there's no longer those bottles in distribution. There are some on store shelves. So if you see that, pick it up because it's limited release. Not going to be, be not going to be around for much longer. It, it is. But so they were they were driving through from the the northern U.S. Uh, to Tennessee and they said we're going to be in Lexington on this past Wednesday and I'm like great I'll clear my schedule I'll meet with you down at the brand destination um, in Lexington we're in the distillery district um, in Lexington Kentucky on Manchester Street so you should definitely check out our gift shop because right now um, these new products that we're sampling you can only find them at our gift shop so if you you know if you hear what we're saying about this amber on a finish go to the gift shop and pick up one um, but so I met them there on Wednesday and I mean, I had, I had all the, you know, the history, you know, and I'm downloading it and, and, um, poor Pam, she was overwhelmed. She, she's a, uh, her, her grandfather was William Tarr, uh, a different, you know, a, a different, uh, William Tarr down the line. And, um, and, and I overwhelmed her and I, I mean, I, I did a whole PowerPoint presentation. I had like a 37 page PDF document that, that highlighted all the history and it, she's just like oh my gosh I wasn't really expecting this and I'm like well listen I am super excited that you're here and anytime that I get a chance to talk about the history um, I might get a little what we call long in the tooth and, um, and and I think I did I think I overwhelmed her but they they went away with um, three bottles and and they were happy customers sounds good <laughs> that's so cool so when somebody comes to your um, destination, what can they expect? So when you come to the uh, brand destination, it's a temporary location. And I'll talk a little bit about what's in the future here in just a minute. But when you come there, we have our um, we have a gift shop manager and then we have um, a mixologist and they will pour you a flight of each one of these expressions. It's only 12 bucks to, to sample a flight of, of what we're tasting right now. And um, I've downloaded the, the history to them. You'll get an abbreviated version of the history and then um, we'll walk you through the tasting we actually have a barrel on site there that you get to thief from straight from the barrel now that's always a I think that's so cool. That's always cool. That's yeah, always, always cool. Yes. That's a, you know, I my my favorite bourbon is free bourbon, number one. And I have a second favorite. My second favorite is the one I'm drinking. So if I'm drinking straight from the barrel, oh my goodness, that is a that is a very good day. And so you can at that point, um, you know, it, it's a um, it, it's our current location, and um, we have nice um, uh, merchandise gift shop. The distillery district in, um, in off of Manchester Street is is growing. There is a, a new um, social club there called District Seven Social. They have pin uh, duck pin bowling. Have y'all seen duck pin bowling up in? It's pretty popular up in Cincinnati. It, it's like ski ball only. You know, so it's a smaller version of, of bowling. But they have um, a golf simulator. They they have a bar. They have a, a beer wall. You get a, a RFID card and and you can pour your own beer and 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 then they charge you for it. But they have a beer garden out in the um in in the outside. Brian, so, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. I'm Under, ready. When are we going down? <laughs> the wives would love that. They would have such a good time. 
<laughs> I agree. <laughs> they, they, they would. Do they, they have would. a wine wall too? They um, don't have a wine wall, but they have wine behind the bar and they make really good um, cocktails too. So they're, they're a wonderful place. They have Germanish food. So you, you can get a, a good burger. You can get brats. You can get pierogies. Um, um, have y'all been to the Stave restaurant in Millville? Oh, yeah. So the owners, Rebecca and Eric Burnworth, um, own the Stave restaurant. They own District 7 Social. So their food is kind of elevated. It, it is a step above uh, what most other places. I love the Stave restaurant. I, I go there any time yeah. that I get a, a chance to. And so they a wonderful place. That location there, the distillery district, is continuing to, to grow. Um, now, let me tell you, can I tell you a little bit about our um, what's coming in the future here? You can. Can we can we sample a whiskey? Let's, let's sample the last one. <laughs> yeah. All right. And, and, and I, I'm really excited about this one. So let's um let's give this one a little bit of a nose. And, and tell me what you're picking up. Oh, here. let me oh, guess. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Uh, it's. That's breakfast pancakes right there. You, you know what we call this one? We yeah. call this one campfire brunch. Campfire brunch. Oh, wow. Campfire yeah. brunch. This is a um, it's a double barreled finish in oak and um, bourbon maple. Uh, bourbon, uh, bourbon wood soaked in seeped in maple. So you're getting you're getting maple on the nose. Yeah. Oh. Um, it is it is a it is a very much dessert nose. I mean, I, I'm I'm thinking right now in my mind. Um, you, you mentioned bread pudding with the amberana. Uh, this one, I'm getting chicken and waffles. Yeah, I can I can do chicken and waffles. I can do chicken and waffles, especially on this diet I'm on. I'm ready for some chicken and waffles. <laughs> That is phenomenal. Isn't that like delicious? That. You know, uh, you know what I like about it is the is the maple's not overdone because you can overdo maple. Yeah. So let's 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 taste this and and then we'll we'll um we'll, we'll reconvene here. Cheers. It's it's got an elevated sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um, but the but the maple's not overdone. And Which is really important. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have a flavored whiskey and and you taste that 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 sweet flavor. Um, with this one, you know those nuts that you have like at Christmas time, the yeah. maple nuts. Uh, yeah. are, that, are, that's that's right here. Are they the maple? Are they um? What, what are they? You get them in the little bags and they're roasted and they got that yes. crystalline sugar on the outside. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but. This reminds me. It, it does. It reminds me of it too. So um, I was meeting with um, with the uh, uh, a very elevated in the spirits world um, guy yesterday at Watch Hill Proper, and the one thing that he said, and I'm like, man, I'm going to go do that as soon as I get the opportunity. I am going to go to um, to Lexington restaurants and, and Louisville restaurants. I'm gonna, I'm going to seek out the um, the 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 chefs and I'm going to taste them with this maple and try to figure out either a, a bread pudding with a, with a maple uh, bourbon finish glaze, or, um, you know, there's, there's so many different things that you can do from that sweet category, from that dessert category with this particular spirit. That is really good. I think my wife would really like this. She would. She likes that, um, uh, 
brown, mm-hmm. yeah, maple sugar, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. You know which one I'm talking about. I you can't, do. can't I do. find it on the shelves hardly it's, at all. It's hard to find, but uh, it reminds me a little bit of that. Not that it it's a flavored whiskey. It's not, but mm-hmm. it reminds me of it, which means which makes me think that she might really like this. And so. What we've done and tried to do is to provide a flavor profile for a lot of different ranges of people. Uh, you know, for me, I, um, I enjoy sweet. I don't enjoy cocktails because I don't like that added external sweetener. And, and most cocktails, you know, you get a lot of simple syrup. You get something that, that kind of adds that, that sweetener. And, and I struggle with that. With this one, um, I really do believe, like what you just mentioned, the um, the fastest growth demographic of consumption of bourbon is is female, and and when you you look at that female demographic, they either they either start with cocktails, or they start with a very sweet finish, which is what this is. Um, but what I've found is a lot of the a lot of the girls that I that that I hang out with, along with my wife, um, is that they um, they like higher proof, you know. They actually like the rise. They like the bold and spicy. So it's uh, I think once you start elevating your palate and and tasting, you really start to gravitate toward what's um what what's bold and spicy and high proof. You don't get there immediately, but. The, a lot of the a lot of the women that I'm interacting with in the bur- bourbon society, they like higher proof and they, and they like the the rye flavor and grain. So this one this one is is good for the introductory um, consumer. Uh, but I can tell you at our gift shop, we have a mixologist that makes a smoked maple old fashioned. It is incredible. Mix it with this. Yes. Yeah. It is incredible. Mm. Really good. But it makes a good one. Yeah, I bet it does. We we really need to go, Brian. We do. I mean, let's yes. just plan it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, let me I'm know. Ready. I'll meet you down there. All right, I'm sounds ready. good to me. I do, Barry. I really love that. You know, you do get a lot of that sweetness on the nose, and you've already said this, but just to second it, I love how sweet it smells on the nose. But then when you taste, it's not overpowering like a cocktail. I mean, when you have that really sweet cocktail, the first thing I think of is headache. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't. Yeah. I can't drink. Personally, I mean, a lot of people love them and, and there's nothing wrong with them. I can't drink uh, the honeys and the and the, you know, the Evan Williams peach and the, you know, and the, and the brown sugar benchmark. I, I, I just can't drink these. They're not for me because it's too much. But when you have a whiskey that has influences that get it there and it's, so it's still all whiskey, 100 yeah. percent whiskey. Yeah. And you just get these influences that that really that's the ticket for me. I'm I'm right there with you, Jim. Uh, when when you look at uh, a bourbon aisle, and you know you go into any liquor store, and and they have a large selection. Um, if if you're leaning toward that flavored category, most of those are going to hit my palate. You know, very sweet, but it's the 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 finished bourbons. So you know the bourbons that have the influence. Th- this one uh, is is a great influence. Um, it may not be for everybody. You know, there may be some that I just like the straight bourbon. And so we've got an expression to to meet that person. Um, I do have a bonus pour for us, um, and it's a it's a uh, it's a barrel strength of our um, mash bill. So you're going to get to taste it right at that cask proof. So we we have to finish on that one. Yeah, we can do that. All right. So 
We're going to blip right here and we'll blip back in a second. And when we come back, we'll have a new pour. Sounds great. All right. So pop, we're back and we've got a full glass of whiskey. Yeah, what so do we have here? What we've got here is our, our straight bourbon whiskey. This is at barrel strength. And so, I mean, you can look at the color. If, if our listeners could see, it is, it is a deep, rich amber color. And, um, and, and if you just let it um, swirl around in your glass, you're, you're going to see non-chill filtered barrel strength. It's very thick and viscous, you know, very thick legs on the glass. So, you know, this is going to be, it's going to coat your mouth. It, it, it's it's going to have flavor upon flavor. Um, it, it's at a at cask proof, so about 122 proof. And I wanted I wanted you all to taste this at, at barrel strength. Um because I want you to get a, a feel for what what is it coming right out of that barrel. All right, cool. A little bit more on the nose there, a little bit more of a, a an ethyl imprint. Yeah, yeah. You would so, expect that. You would expect it, and you know. So the difference between um, between high proof and 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 spicy, um, you, you you can definitely get the um the, the proof uh on the and and the other thing i like to do a lot of people you you guys i'm, I'm sure you you probably know this but when you nose your your glass nose it at the bottom and nose it at the top of the rim because those alcohol vapors are, are different weights and so you're going to get a different flavor at the bottom than you are at the top you know i get i get a, a very strong um, earthy tobacco leather, you know, the, 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 the essence of that barrel is on that nose. Yeah. This is a little bit more of a, um, a kind of a savory whiskey. You said earthy. I, I get the leather, not so much tobacco, mm -hmm. but I definitely get the leather for sure. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's silky. It's deceptive. It doesn't drink like 120 proof. Now, of course, we've um, we've been drinking for a while here. We've acclimated our 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 chemical receptors, but it does not drink like a hundred. It really does. But it really snuck right across my palate and hit the back. Mm. It's kind of funny how it did that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is silky. It has that nice texture to it. Um, but it's not overly sweet up front. It's, yeah. it's got a sweet, nice sweetness to it. But yeah. it's it kind of just snuck through the front door, went straight to the back, and uh, stomped on my tongue. <laughs> I definitely I, I get this the little bit of sweet there, which I really really like. But I, I love the leather, you know that's that's awesome. Um, but it is silky, like it it mm -hmm. is deceptive. Mm -hmm. There's this no, is one that would get me in trouble. There's yeah. no sizzle or pop rock to it though. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like uh, prickly spice. It's not biting at your tongue at all. It's just a. I don't know what would you call that a little bit more of a kind of a, a, a baking spice or a I, I think you would put it in that category and and what I what I enjoy about the mash bill you know here we're experiencing it at its at its true flavor right from the barrel and um, and and it it's it's very approachable um, it, it's it's not 
you know, at, at this is about four and a half, five, five and a half years. So we've got two different barrels that that we um, that I blended together, uh, both at cast proof and um, and and really easily approachable. There's there's a little stone fruit on there you can pick up on. Um, there there is some sweetness, but the um, it it handles itself at that higher proof. You, it mutes the rye, you, you know, so you're getting more in the sweet category at this 120. So proof. did you have two different barrels that were different? And then maybe one was a little more fruity. One was a little more dry on the back end. And you put the two together. I, I wish that I was able to really tell you about those two barrels. It was more a convenience. It was like when I tasted them, it's like, okay, these are, these are good. And let's just see what they're like together. And I put them together, and and really, it was a consolidation of the two. One did not stand out over the other, um, but they both got picked. Um, the one thing I can tell you, we've done twenty six barrel picks um, to date, and we have never had anybody come in and do a barrel pick that said, "I really don't like what any of the ones that you had to offer." Um, there's been something for everyone. I've never That's had really to go good because that does happen mm-hmm. sometimes. It, 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 right. I, and and I've, I've talked to several people that have done a lot of barrel picks and they have come back. You know, they said, well, I've done I've done a pick and, and I really I just wasn't impressed with what they had to offer. The key to doing barrel selects is that there's an allocation every year. Every distillery has an allocation. And so you want to be early in the year so that you get to pick through the best of the best. Now, if you're fortunate to do a wild turkey barrel pick and have Eddie Russell as your um, guide to, to doing the pick, Eddie will continue to pull barrels until you say uncle. There's no rules. There's no rules. <laughs> yeah. There's no rules. And that's why you should always... Drink responsibly. Make sure that you have a tour guide that's driving you, you know, back and forth to doing a barrel pick. Um, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a, I've got an interesting uh, Eddie Russell story that we'll have to tell offline here because it's colorful and I, I probably can't use some of the language. Well, I can say that I've been on a number of picks with Eddie, and and he always says they're all good, and then he also says. You guys have had so many barrels now you can't taste them anymore anyway so just pick one <laughs> so. he, t- he tells it like it is i i, I, I love eddie I, I i love um hearing him um you know he he's he's a great ambassador for for bourbon and and he definitely is you know the the the, the go-to person at wild turkey right now absolutely absolutely well this is a fine whiskey it's really good and it's it's a great whiskey to sip on while you're telling us some crazy new stuff that's happening at rd1 yeah super excited i i just got this story uh or got this information a week ago and um so our um our, our majority owner and ceo mike tatterton um you may know mike um, tatterton he used to own creative lodging solutions in lexington um he sold that company and then he um he um had a um investment company and mike and and marcia couch um we uh, presented to them after we talked to mark stoops they were our second investors and um mike mike is a smart guy uh, he he's the right person to run our company um we we have a we have a liquid strategy that is taking us out to the national market we'll within within um a year to two years we'll be all across the the u.s market and it's 
only because we've got um, you know we've got the ability to uh, to support the shelves. You know, you can't continue to open up new markets without um, without being able to support the that demand. You know, so once once you open up a market, you have to be committed, and and so in the um, in, in the meeting. He told us that we um, we have inked the deal. It's it's it, it is it is a done deal, um, and we're we're just waiting to you know have a couple more eyes dotted and T's crossed. But we are building a brand destination in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, so if you know where Turner Commons is, and I'm going to describe it to you because some listeners may not know, as you're going out Main Street and you pass the Lexington Cemetery, and then you go on that viaduct where um, there, there's the train track, and then there used to be a bunch of tobacco barns back uh, in that area. So there's 30 acres back there. Um, right now, uh, Battle Axes used to be at the distillery district. They have a 60,000 square foot entertainment complex. So we're gonna build uh, from the ground up a brand destination in Turner Commons, and we're going to be right as you turn into Turner Commons. We're going to be that first destination on the left-hand side, and um, one of the other locations or, or uh, businesses is Goodwood. So Goodwood is coming in right Yay. next door to us. Yes. So people love to drink beer, <laughs> follow that with whiskey, and then throw axes. This is tremendous. <laughs> what, what, a, what a fulfilled day that you would have. Probably throw the axes first. <laughs> it never works that way. <laughs> it never does. It never does. So there'll be a little courtyard there, and then there's going to be an indoor-outdoor amphitheater. There's going to be Airbnbs. So we'll support the um, bourbon tourism. Um, there will be ample parking. You know, one of the problems that we have at the distillery district is it's just on Friday, Saturday nights, it's hard to find a parking place. And um, it, it's an in-demand location. So we're working to figure that out. But at Turner Commons, we'll have a lot more parking places there. And then there's going to be a um, anchor restaurant. And right now I've heard Carson's being thrown out. I've heard Malone's being thrown out. Um, so there's going to be a very nice hey, restaurant. Eddie Montgomery needs to come in and open another one. Come on, Eddie. Come on, Eddie. But, you yeah, can do it. Perform yeah. at the indoor-outdoor amphitheater and have your restaurant. Let's let's put a bug in Bo Garrett's ear. Maybe he'll help us make it happen. Let's do. I'll let's tell do. you, that's exciting. Being from Lexington and, and growing up driving all through that area my whole life, knowing that there's going to be something really cool that's going in there, it's going to elevate it. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun well, to see. Well, that is exciting news. And Barry, when, when you get to that point, when you guys are ready to open up, let's, let's have a show. Let's, let's do, do a it. show on site. You you guys will be invited. I'll, I'll make sure that, um, and it, it's, it's about a year out. Yeah. So once we break ground, it's about 12 months out. So I would love to have um, you guys come on. And we uh, we'll, we'll we'll do the first podcast there. Sounds on great. Location. Awesome. Well, Barry, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Sharing your whiskey with us, it was all fantastic. Really good whiskey. I guess I can go right out my door, get in my car, and drive probably within five miles here, and you're on the shelf. We are on the shelf. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to hear that. Melody's going to be very excited when she tastes a few of these. Oh, yeah. So it's been a pleasure to have you on. It's been very exciting. And you're an old friend. I mean, we've we've certainly had you on the show before. We want to have you on again in the future. 
And uh, what wonderful whiskeys. And you guys have done great. You've really done good. Thanks, Jim. So it's always nice to see somebody really push through and succeed. A lot of hard work went into that, though. Absolutely. Uh, it's a labor of love and uh, absolutely enjoy doing it. Um, if you're looking for us, you know, you mentioned social media. You can find us on Facebook, RD1 Spirits. You can find us on Instagram, RD1 Spirits. Um, Barry Brenniger, follow me. Um, I would love to have, uh, you know, new followers and, and um, you know, reach out, uh, share pour. Are you and doing TikToks? Uh, not yet. Um, I I have a limited amount of time and yeah. TikTok is one of those <laughs> platforms. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've got a marketing company or a marketing department that will manage that for us right now. Oh, that's so good. It's good to have that, right? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Well, you can find the Bourbon Road on all social media outlets. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Facebook. We even have a private Facebook group called the Bourbon Roadies. We've got about 3,500 members on there, all whiskey lovers, all people that like to drink and share whiskey and tell stories. Make sure you get onto Facebook and search out the Bourbon Roadies and join that group. I think you'll have a great time. We do a show every single week, Brian, every Wednesday. They'll hear from us, won't they? That's right. Every Wednesday, you'll hear from us. You'll get a you'll get an episode. Uh, we'll have a distiller on. We'll have somebody like Barry on to tell a story about their their operation. Sometimes we'll have a music artist on. Sometimes we'll have an author or a chef. Or it's always fun. We're always drinking whiskey and we're always having a good time. So make sure you check us out every single week. The best way not to miss a show. What do they need to do, Brian? Just gotta click subscribe. That's and right. that can be on Spotify. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Find us That's on right. all of them. You know, you can even tell Alexa, Alexa, play the Bourbon Road podcast and she'll find our latest episode and let you hear it. So it's definitely a fun time. If you've got an idea for a show, if you've got an idea for a guest, if uh, if in your hometown there is a distillery that's doing it right and you want to shine a little light on them, make sure to let us know about it. We'll get them on the show. Just go to the website thebourbonroad.com we got a contact us page hop in there send us a message we're very responsive you can always send us an email too brian tyler me hit us up at team at thebourbonroad.com we'll get back with you but until then we'll see you down the, the bourbon, bourbon road, road. <laughs>